0: Well, welcome to the Speak With People podcast. My name is Jason Rates, and I'm so excited that you are joining us today. At Speak With People, we believe that healthy communication is oxygen for our relationships and our leadership. And so whether you communicate one-on-one to a team, from a stage, or from behind a screen, like I'm doing now, we hope that our time today encourages you, inspires you, challenges you to communicate in healthy ways. We know that when the leader communicates in healthy ways, you can drastically change your world. Well, I am so excited about today's podcast because we have a special guest with us, uh, an amazing author. I'll tell you more about him in a second, but we're diving into the secret power of kindness, kindness, especially in our Communication. And in some leadership circles, kindness is viewed as weakness. Many leaders believe being kind won't get you ahead. Being kind with our words won't help you increase your leadership or close the next deal. We know that's not especially true. We know that's not true at all, especially if you're striving to be a healthy communicator as a leader. And in order to be effective, in order to be a healthy communicator, we've got to be kind. Kindness must permeate throughout our communication. Well, today's interview, we interview Greg Atkinson, and I am just so blessed to have him on the podcast. He is an author, uh, a thought leader. I first heard about him years ago because he is just a, a systems and hospitality guru, and I just downloaded and watched everything that I possibly could, and he's the mastermind behind the First Impressions conference that just reaches tens of thousands of leaders, and I'm so excited to have him with us because his new book, The Secret of Secret Power of Kindness, just released. And I actually just got it in the mail uh, two days ago and read through the entire thing. So, Greg, I want to just welcome you with a uh, big giant welcome to the Speak With People podcast. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Honored to be here. Absolutely. Well, hey, before we go into some of our conversation about uh, kindness and the secret power of kindness, especially in our communication. Could you just give our listeners a little bit, a little bit more about you and your story, and what you do, and all that kind of stuff?
1: Yeah. Well, I am in my thirtieth year of ministry and leadership. Um, started on staff at my first church in the early nineties, so um, it's been thirty years and uh, twenty-three years of speaking. I know you work with a lot of speakers and communicators. So I started speaking nationally at conferences in 2000 and spoke at hundreds of events and um in 2003 i started speaking for eight years at the moody bible pastors conference with thousands of pastors from all over the world and my topic that they gave me every year was creative communication and i taught pastors how to be better communicators and how to be creative in their communication so i've been um I've been enjoying life as a speaker, and then over the last decade as a writer and author, I've always felt like I had a book in me, but I didn't write my first book until 2010. So it's been 13 years of writing, and this book on kindness is my fifth book, and I'm just overwhelmed and amazed by the support that it's getting. and so happy to discuss it here with you, but I am um, a husband, a father, three adult kids, two in college, one in grad school. I'm based in the Charlotte metro, and I still consult with churches, still run conferences, and am starting to do coaching for entrepreneurs and business leaders. So that's what keeps me busy these days.
0: I love it. I love it. Well, it's an honor to have you. I know when we uh, started Speak With People, I uh, shot you an email, and you were so gracious and kind to take some time with me and and, uh, even the notes from that first conversation, I mean, helped me just, uh, tremendously. And so I appreciate your kindness that you, uh, yeah, you you gave to me. Well, I gotta tell you, I got this in the mail. Uh, I mean, just even two days ago, I ordered it right away on, on uh, Amazon. And I was really pleased because I got an email the next day from Amazon that pushed the delivery date. So I knew that that was because, you know, it was selling out. Uh, and so, I was just blown away by your transparency, your vulnerability, I mean, especially the first chapter on forgiveness. I mean, you just took us to such a a depth. And I think maybe for some of our listeners, they could relate to me. Sometimes we think about the secret power of kindness and being kind and exhibiting kindness. We don't always think about forgiveness. And so I just appreciate you, you know, taking us there. What, what, why did you start with, forgiveness? Take us kind of into that journey a little bit.
1: A couple of reasons. Uh, Great question. Two two things that came into play was one, my previous books were all leadership and those are practical how-to books and I didn't have to share my story at all. And so to write my first book to the broad, wide, general audience that anybody could pick it up and read it, I wanted the reader to know who i am and mm. what i've been through and then in a small group uh, at my church we were talking about forgiveness and the word kindness came up and i saw how they interrelated and i got to thinking about how if i had not forgiven those who have hurt me those who have wronged me and i was still walking around with unforgiveness in my heart and i was bitter and angry i would not be a very kind person mm. and so For a lot of people, even though they have a good intention and a desire to be kind, if they have not dealt with unforgiveness and if they have this anger always underneath the surface, they're going to snap at people and be short and be grumpy and be mad. And they won't be known as kind people. So I wanted to start right out with this huge um, concept and principle of, of forgiveness and also let the reader hear my own personal journey.
0: Well, I mean it, it, was tr- it was' a tremendous decision, I think, on your part because I, I know even in my own life, you know, you, you tapped into such a powerful story and I was immediately taken to some places in my life where it was like you know, a slap against my head like okay, you know, forgiveness would really lead to kindness in this area. And so I mean, just as a as a reader, it, it you know impacted me greatly. Why do you think you know at times, especially in leadership circles, uh you know some view kindness as a weakness uh you know can you share some thoughts you know uh insights on how you know crucial kindness is you know especially in leadership circles
1: yeah i think in business and leadership any kind of organization where you're a leader if you are known as a kind leader a kind boss and kind employer your employees are going to want to go the extra mile for you they're going to want to run through a wall for- for you they're going to want to bend over backwards to achieve goals and to see the team win and so there's so many leaders over the years that have modeled kindness but you know we have the ultimate example in jesus and the way he modeled servant leadership and there's been tons of books written over the years on servant leadership a best-selling book that's still just flying off the shelf is ken blanchard's lead like jesus And what we know from Jesus is that he was not weak. He was very strong, um, but he led with kindness and was known for kindness. He was kind to the woman caught in adultery. He was kind to the woman at the well. He was kind to Nicodemus. He's, He's kind all throughout his earthly ministry and the gospels that we read about. But we also know from what he went through on the cross, how strong he was and the beatings he endured and all that, that he was a strong man and able to um, uh, take on a lot as, as a human being and as a person also as fully God. And so, um, Jesus would be the ultimate model. And I do love books like, um, lead like Jesus. I was mentored a decade ago by a guy that helped Kim Blanchard write lead like Jesus. And so we would meet once a week and he would mentor me on leading like Jesus. And, um, there are a lot of People that I have encountered over the years, whether it be John Maxwell or Bob Goff, but people that are known for joy and kindness, and nobody thinks of them as weak. They actually yep. um, aspire to be like them and to be known for the kind of kindness and joy that they exude, and that what it's like to be around them. And you know, somebody in popular culture that had a very popular television show that was loved by millions was Mr. Rogers, and Mr. Mm-hmm. Rogers left a lasting legacy and um, led with a lot of strength and broke a lot of barriers and broke ground back in some early days with uh, prejudice and racism and things that he did on his show, show that we should love our neighbor and love everybody. And so he was very bold and very strong and very strategic as a leader to put forward what he wanted the viewers to see modeled and displayed Um, and then it had an impact on us as kids because all of us have Mr. Rogers stories and and we're, we're marked by, uh, somebody kind on television. And it's the same way as, uh, now as a husband and father that I'm trying to leave a mark on my family as a kind leader, a kind husband, a kind father. And I was blessed that, uh, I had had some amazing endorsements, but my favorites and my publisher's favorites or by my kids, the very mm-hmm. first page of the book, uh, my three adult kids endorsed me and endorsed the book. And so um, that. leading with kindness goes along with it.
0: I love that. I love that, especially, you know, uh, I have older kids as well. And I can remember having, you know, young kids and all the older people telling me, you know, don't blink. It's going to go, you know, it's going to go by so fast. And, you know, here we are now. And I think about, you know all the uh, funerals I've uh, I've officiated or you know funerals I've led, and how many times kids don't want to speak. You know, wh- you know when they've lost a, a parent because of how broken or awful the the relationship is, and so especially as parents, if we can you know be able to speak kindness into our kids, and and then it comes back as they're adults. I mean, I, I love that. I love that example. When uh, when people lead you know, depending on if you're a small business owner or a ministry leader. I mean, there are times when leaders have to be, you know, assertive. They have to be direct with their words. You know, sometimes people think, oh, you know, I can't, I can't be kind and still be assertive. You know, what do you think about, you know, that tension, that balance, you know, if still being kind with your communication, but still being, you know, assertive and direct? How, how would you help us walk through that, that uh, tension?
1: Yeah, I think tension is a great word. I think it is uh, walking a fine line. And I do that as a leader. We just had the spring first impressions conference. And the whole thing was kindness. And one of the leaders did a talk on communication. And she said, being clear is being kind. Hmm. And so I had something go on with my team and one of my team members and something that wasn't done properly. And I referred to that talk. I said, hey, I was just walking, watching this person's talk. And they said, being clear is kind. So I'm going to be very clear with you and tell you what, what was messed up and what I don't like and what what I need to be fixed. And so anybody that's spent time with me on a team or staff or in in business matters knows I can be very clear, very direct, very blunt. But it's always done in kindness. It's just that I don't think we do anybody any favors by beating around the bush and hemming yes. behind so if I can be clear and say, this is where we fell short, this is where we need to, to go, what can we do to turn it around and to get there? That's being clear to a team member of, hey, we missed the mark, but we can we can step it up and, and make changes and correct it in enough time. So my advice would be clear as kind.
0: Hmm. That's so incredibly powerful. I think back to my young leadership days, and I think I was actually unkind because I did beat around the bush. and. I can remember one moment when, you know, one of my staff members, you know, found out from someone else what I really thought. And, uh, you know, it was like, oh, no, I cannot believe that I, you know, did that. Are there any, you know, uh, practical examples that you think of, especially in team leadership or, you know, work, working with a team where, you know, we can integrate kindness in those everyday relationships, you know, in everyday work environments, what are some, some things that we can do to just make sure we're bringing kindness into those areas?
1: Yeah. Well, I like, I like how you said every day. So I would start a day at a time, you know, you can't change the past. You can't change the history of how you may have led up into this point, but going forward, you can wake up every day, give it to God, commit to, uh, work for God's glory. And, um, and to take a different approach with your team, with your with your employer, with your employees, with your staff members, you can you can choose to operate differently and intentionally to be kind. And so a couple of things that I have studied and practiced. I spent years working with a therapist on the skill of active listening. Hmm. And I wrote a blog post on my blog, gregatkinson.com, about active listening. And I think pastors.com picked it up, but I wrote about being an active listener and pastors needing to be active listeners. And part of that in everyday leadership is just being curious, Hmm. caring more about the other person and what they have to say than my reply back to them. What's unfortunate in the majority of interactions is we are so busy thinking about our reply when somebody else is speaking that we don't truly hear them. And so if we have a posture of curiosity And say, tell me your story, tell me your side, tell me your perspective. I really want to know what has happened is I have practiced active listening so much over the last few years after training under my therapist, that there are times when somebody finishes talking and I will pause. And this happens all the time and says, you know, I don't know what I was going to say. I was listening to you so hard. Let me think for a second because I've lost my reply because I was so intent on listening. But, and you know, it's, it's very easy to fall back into an old habit or where I used to just want to cut somebody off or interrupt or get my point in. And I was so, so worried about my reply. And so when I saw that that was an issue and that I had a team member say, you know, you interrupt a lot, you're cutting me off and you're trying to get your, your voice in your defense in, let me finish. Then I wanted to take that upon myself as an adult and say, I'm going to work on this. It's the same way when I was in my early 20s in leadership, I had an elder at the church come to me and say, "Um, Greg, you're super talented, very gifted. But one thing that I think that you could work on is um, EQ, emotional intelligence. He said, he said, you're very intelligent, but he said, I'm going to give you a book on emotional intelligence. And this was the very first emotional intelligence book. Now there's a lot of EQ books and emotional intelligence books, but this was, um, you know, 20 years ago when the very first one came out or 25 years ago. And I read that and started thinking about what can I do to be a more emotionally intelligent, uh, leader in my meetings and my interactions and, and You know, there's some team members that can just take the wind out of a room with with an attitude, with a face, with a comment and a staff meeting. The whole thing just tanks and it just, it ruins everybody's mood in the meeting. And so when you study emotional intelligence and how to be self-aware and how to realize how you're coming across, how you present yourself, what your face is expressing and things like that. Then you can be a better team member, and your team will thank you. And um, you know that's that's something. You know, also under the 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 topic of clearest kind and what we can do as leaders, I I learned a long time ago from a mentor, and I've shared this with people. Nobody should walk into an evaluation, uh, a performance evaluation or review at the end of the year and be surprised by anything that is said. Mm. I remember getting blindsided one time by a supervisor, by a boss, who hit me with notes from February that he had been journaling and waiting until December, end of the year, to hit me with in a performance review. And I said, you could have told me this all year long, and I could have been working on it. And so nobody should be blindsided at an end-of-the-year review. You should have regular check-ins. I used to do once a week. Uh, one-on-ones with my team members. And so when you're working, one on, doing one-on-one meetings with your team members, you still have goals, you still have things you want to fix, to improve, to to get better. Yep. And then you're you constantly saying, how are we doing on this area? So that when December comes and you do an end of the year review, yep. you say, as you know, we have been discussing since February or April, blank, and it looks like you still have not improved And then some, some things could come about of things of whether or not that person gets in trouble or loses their job or, or whatever may happen, but it should never be blindsided. It should never be a surprise. It should be, we have been talking about this all year long and you've come a long way, or we've talked about this all year long and you haven't made any improvement. We're going to have to do A, B, or C, but never blindside, blindside somebody in the end of the
0: year review. Yep. Absolutely. So many things there. I mean, I'm taking furious notes. Let me back up for a second. Uh, I can remember, uh, I'm an MBA dropout. So years ago I was working at a very large church in the Chicago area, started an MBA and my third class, they had me read primal leadership by Daniel Goldman and same like you, just the, my emotional intelligence world, uh, just kind of exploded and uh, I started learning about so many of those bad habits. And so you listed out some of those bad habits, but I thought maybe we could park there for a second because some of those, you know, bad emotional intelligence habits, they can re- they can really take over. Uh, and so we talked about a couple, didn't know if there's any others that kind of come to mind or, you know, so, some areas to kind of, you know, stay away from, you know, to make sure yeah. that... You-
1: I think I think when I think back over team members that I've had issues with, and either uh, considered firing, had to fire, or encouraged them to go find another job, those situations they were um, they they were not motivated, they were not inspired, they were um, apathetic. They just they did not enjoy coming to work each day. They did not give their best. They were mailing it in, and so. When you have somebody that has a good heart and is uh, a good character, you can do a lot with that, even if they're not as talented, even if they're not as yep. gifted. But you can be as gifted and talented at, as, as anybody, but if you don't have good character, that's just not going to last, and your character won't sustain you. And so when somebody is mailing it in, comes in with a bad mm-hmm. attitude, I don't care how good of a communicator they are, if they're a student pastor or a children's minister, doesn't matter if they're amazing on Sunday morning and can preach the paint off the walls. If they come in Monday through Friday and they're in a bad attitude and they're mailing it in and they don't take their job seriously, they don't take the supervisor relationship seriously. And they don't, uh, we used to do uh, weekly reports with my team members where I would hear from them and what they're working on and, I would have a guy that didn't fill it out, didn't, didn't put down what he was working on, didn't want to go through the the motions of uh, informing me and communicating with me. Because I've always been big on communication yep. and keeping lines of communication open. Uh, yep. So when I was an employee, what I used to do with my boss without him asking was give him an end of the week and a monthly report saying, here's all I've been up to. Because my boss uh, at a very large church in Dallas, who my boss who I love so much, gave me so much freedom and so Mm -hmm. much room to run that um, he did not micromanage me in any way. But I wanted him to know what all I had been up to and what all I was doing. So I would email him and say, just so you know, I did this, 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 this. And it actually just happened recently with this new book coming out. There's a lot of things that I did all by myself without my publisher even knowing that had an impact on the sales of the book and mm. being a bestseller and a number one new release. There's a lot of stuff that I did and took upon myself to see the success of the book. And then I emailed the publisher and said, by the way, I have set this, 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 and this in motion. I have done this. And yep. so I'm real big about communication. And um, But the biggest, the biggest thing that I have noticed... Um, Because, you know, all those C's in leadership of character and capacity and chemistry and and confidence and all that capacity, the thing that sticks out to me is chemistry. Mm. If they have a bad attitude and their face shows it, that they're upset to be there. They don't like having to explain something. They don't like being held accountable. If they have a bad attitude that I just can't work with. If you if you have a great attitude and you're not as gifted or not as trained, I can work with you and we can get you to to um, to have a great role on the team starting with the attitude. So um, and that's something that you know was learned in a leadership book many years ago. And um, Zig Ziglar has talked a lot about it. Just the attitude check having having a great attitude coming to work, yep. happy to be there every day. We live in a in an economy and in a world where we should all be thankful if we have a job and we should yeah. all be grateful for the opportunity to work. And, you know, I was brought up with a strong work ethic. I started working at a grocery store when I was 14 and I've worked ever since. My kids have all worked jobs. They have a great work ethic. And so, uh, the best that we can do as parents is to instill in our kids, a good work ethic. I remember when I was a teenager, and I needed money for something like a youth trip coming up or a prom, my mom would say, well, there's weeds in the yard. You could go weed the yard, but it was never a gift of here's some money, go take it and have a good time. It was always, well, you can do this chore or you could weed this or you can move this. It was always uh, a way to teach me work ethic. And I was working at a grocery store from 14 on. And so I had a paycheck from there, but Learning the the value of putting in a good day's work and not mailing it in.
0: Hmm. That's so good. It's so good. You hit on so many good things there. We we like to say with speak with people when we speak with people we're choosing healthy communication and when we speak at people we're choosing unhealthy communication and so we have a list of kind of thirteen toxic uh, habits and you just nailed you know a couple of those and sometimes people aren't. Even realizing they're doing them, and so, you know, as you as you talked about, you know, being clear with people. I mean, that is being kind. Like those, you know, those uh, unbelievable open conversations to say, "Hey, this is just, you know, uh, something that you do, and we just need to address it." And I think that speaks into this bigger issue. You talk about it in chapter seven, but we really got to unlock empathy if we're going to communicate with kindness. If we're going to experience kindness, talk to us a minute about empathy. Like, how do we dive in? you know, understand people better. What are some of those qualities that, you know, empathetic qualities to be able to connect better?
1: A couple of things that I have done that I can speak to and I write about in the book, but, um, pray about it, ask God to help you be a more empathetic person. Um, you know, start your day, uh, with meditation and with prayer asking, how can I show empathy today? How can I show my spouse empathy? How can I show my kids empathy? how can I show my team empathy? Um, a lot about what I do and I talk about in the book comes from meditation and journaling, journaling, uh, my feelings and getting clear thought and meditating, um, and just, uh, kind of grounding myself where, um, I don't get too big of an ego. I don't get out ahead of myself. I actually have this book in front of me right here that I picked up at a airport ego is the enemy hmm. and it it jumped out at me and i thought well we can all work on that cuz you know the more successful you get the more likely it is the ego can creep down and yep. so so keeping um keeping that uh, in check and then studying people you know i mentioned mr rogers i have studied mr rogers i've read about mr rogers i have looked watched his movie his documentary i've watched old shows yep that were over my head and lost on me as a kid, but the message that he was sending to people was very strategic, very thoughtful. And he practiced empathy on his show. And then there are documentaries that you can watch to just to see and to find remarkable people. If you go to Amazon Prime Video and just search the documentary section and um, read, I love to read, read stories about people that have lived remarkable lives. Yeah. People that showed and loved and cared, you know, in my book, there's at least a couple times where I quote mother Teresa and the model that she had. And I quote her in the generosity chapter when she was known for being very poor, mm. but she was generous with her time and she she had time for people. She listened to people. She mourned with people. She hurt with people. Mm. And so she was very empathetic. She did not have a lot of financial money to give because she was never wealthy but I included her in the generosity chapter, and so find people that you can look up to that are ahead of you or that model empathy well, and then ask God to help you get there.
0: Wow, uh-huh. boy, that's so good. That is absolutely so good. Um, when it, when we speak about kindness in our organization, you know, what are some things that leaders can do? I mean, even from the the bottom to the top, to the top to the bottom, to make sure that we're helping, you know, spread that kindness. And then it's permeating throughout the organization.
1: Um, I think, I think when when you read this book, you'll get some good ideas. Mm. There's two chapters that relate to business leaders and team leaders. One's on composure, how you compose yourself and how you're self aware, stay in control of your emotions, and how you react to situations. Another chapter is on wisdom, how we how we live, how we walk, how we uh, work. And as it relates to wisdom, the Bible says to ask for wisdom and God will give it generously. And so every day I'll ask for wisdom. And so having composure with how we deal with people, having wisdom and how we lead in situations. And then the thing that's the the secret ingredient, you know, we talk about the secret power of kindness. The secret ingredient for it all with the question you just asked is for leaders is consistency. Mm. And that's why I said take it a day at a time. If day after day after day after day builds up a life of empathy, a life of composure, a life of wisdom, a life of kindness, if we are consistent day after day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year, that builds up to a legacy where people look back and, at, as you mentioned, at a memorial service when a lot of people don't want to talk, when people say, you know, when I think back on uh, Jason, he was always blank. What are you consistently known for? You know, Greg was always blank. And so that, you know, there's not going to be a lot of wording they can put on a tombstone. So it would be words that were shared at a memorial service or in a eulogy or something like that. Or just when people remember you and tell stories and your kids say, you know, dad was always blank. And so, um, it starts one day at a time, one foot in front of another, In the book, I talk about um, going the extra mile, which was uh, a thing that they were taught in the culture and the DNA and the code at the Ritz-Carlton. I talk about how the Ritz-Carlton modeled going the extra mile. Then Chick-fil-A liked that, saw it, stole it, started using it in their organization. And when you read the Chick-fil-A training manual, they talk about going the extra mile, which, as you know, is a biblical concept, something that Jesus taught. And so um, both... Two, to the most successful hotel chain that's won the most prestigious awards, Ritz Carlton, and the most successful uh, restaurant and fast food restaurant that always comes in number one in America is Chick-fil-A, and they are both patterned after and modeled after a biblical example of going the expert mile for somebody else. So if it works for Ritz Carlton and it works for Chick-fil-A, it can't hurt to try it in your own organization going the extra miles, showing empathy and yes. serving others.
0: I love that. I love that. So, so last question as we kind of finish up, what can a leader expect, you know, uh, the benefits or, you know, the things that they'll see in their life. If they're doing this consistently, you know, living out the secret power of kindness.
1: I think a couple of things come to mind is what a leader could respect. One is a good name and reputation, which mm-hmm. comes with respect where people, respect you because you are a man or a woman of your word. And two, in business, it's repeat customers. Um, You know, when I talk about hospitality, there's a chapter in the book where I talk about hospitality. When I consult in customer service, when I consult with organizations on creating a kind culture as opposed to a toxic one, when we talk about creating kind cultures in business, the best thing that we can get is repeat customers Mm. We live in a day and age, and um, I just said this recently on another interview where um, restaurants, businesses, different places in our communities live and die by reviews. Yeah. People get on Google reviews, they get on Facebook reviews, they get on Yelp, and they either rip you apart or sing your praises, but businesses live or die by reviews. and When we lead with kindness, we're going to have more positive reviews than negative reviews. And that turns into repeat business, which is what we all need. We don't, just like churches don't want to have somebody visit once and never come again, they want them to return and experience guest retention and have first-time guests turn into second-time guests and third-time guests, and then eventually get plugged into the church. In the same way businesses, it does them no good if somebody eats at their restaurant once and never comes again. Whereas my favorite restaurant, they see me multiple times a week. They know I'm going to keep coming back because they take such good care of me and they have such amazing service. So when you lead with kindness and have excellent customer service, you'll have repeat customers or repeat business.
0: I love that. I love that. Oh my goodness. Greg, I took a page and a half of notes. This was so rich. I know this is going to bless our listeners. Before I let you go, just a couple really quick rapid fire questions that can kind of keep to get to know you. We talked about a couple of TV shows. Do you have an all-time favorite TV show?
1: Yeah, but I kind of cheated on this answer because I want to list my top three, but my all-time favorite, because I watch it every night, is Seinfeld. I still watch Seinfeld from the 90s every night, but as far as more recent, modern, creative shows, my top three to watch into Ben's Watch uh, were Lost, 24 with Jack Bauer, and Prison Break. Those are some of my top shows of all time.
0: Oh, all three of them so good. You're you're around a lot of speakers. I mean, your conference has lots of speakers. Who are some of your favorites?
1: Yeah, some have spoken at my conference, some have not. But speakers that I love to go hear, uh, either at my conference or at a conference they're speaking at, would be John Maxwell because he's like a father figure and a pastoral figure. Just so, so down to earth. Andy Stanley because he's a world class communicator and so practical. Just a brilliant teacher. Uh, I have listened to Beth Moore my whole adult life and love her being um, somebody who I follow a lot and love any chance I get the opportunity to hear him speak at a conference is Seth Godin because he's so creative, so brilliant. And then one of my favorite speakers to ever speak at our first impressions conference, world-class leader as well as Craig Rochelle.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. I love that. And we'll put a link to each of those in the show notes because you need, you need to definitely check those out. Well, Greg, thank you so much for your time. Before I let you go, uh, tell us where we can find you online. What's the best place to get more information about you?
1: Yeah. Well, the book you mentioned that you just read is The Secret Power of Kindness, and you pretty much just go to the book title, secretpowerkindness.com. And so if you go to secretpowerkindness.com, that'll wind up there. If you go to my name, gregatkinson.com, there's links to the book and to my work and my consulting and coaching. I'm at Greg Atkinson on Twitter, at Greg Atkinson on Instagram, and very searchable and easy to find on Facebook as well if you just search Greg Atkinson. But I'm out there. I'm on social as well. My email is greg at gregatkinson.com. So if you pretty much my name, you'll find me.
0: <laughs> well, we got you. All right. Well, thank you again, Greg. Appreciate having you on the Speak With People podcast so much.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: Well, and thank you to our listeners. We're so glad that you are part of the Speak With People community. Don't forget, if you have not joined the Speak With People community group on Facebook, head over there, type in Speak With People community group on Facebook and come in hundreds of leaders every single day. We're talking about how we can communicate more effectively and we're just kind of growing together as a community. Also, don't forget that very, very soon uh, you can access The Pathway if you are someone who wants to invest in your public speaking, but you, you know that you don't do it all the time, but you know that you want to be better when you're called upon, the pathway is for you. So go to speakwithpeople.com slash pathway. You can download the free ebook and you can find out more information about how you can become a better, uh, more effective, confident uh, communicator. Well, thank you again for listening to the podcast every single time you share it or you review the podcast just means the world. Again, this podcast exists because uh, we believe that uh, healthy communication is oxygen for your relationships and your leadership. And we know when you choose to communicate in healthy ways, you will change your world with your words. Thanks again, and we'll see you next week.